probably a bad thing about our education system is that people don't even understand that business is an option for them. That there's low barriers to entry nowadays to start a business. Any kid can start a business. So even just understanding, seeing it in the smallest form, um, and this is why it should be taught within school, uh, business and how entrepreneurship and those kind of things. We we talked about positive feedback loops as well. Most important thing you can do is align those learnings that you are currently doing to the end result, not just like what's going to happen next week, not the month after, but you know, reading this book is going to give me whatever I want and that mansion, as you said it. So that creates that positive feedback loop. You just invested in Bitcoin, you know, hats off to you. You just, you, your neighbor said that they invested in it. You put a bunch of money in it. And now you're a multimillionaire. If that gets taken away from you, do you still have the skill set, discipline, or the capital allocation decisions to make that into what you want it to be? We've talked about happiness. There's no point if you are successful and have optionality to put yourself through an unhappy thing to create money. Yeah. You know, that, that's against what we're trying to do in our lives. We're trying to create freedom. I'm starting to get this philosophy that if something is hard in business, you just have the wrong person yeah. um, as a leader. And that's a really, that might sound like a cruel thing to say. Maybe they're better somewhere else, or maybe they're just not well, the, behind the, For the your business. business at that particular time, right? You know, this is, the, this is the hard thing. You're upgrading the plane as you're flying. You can't afford a good captain initially, like a, a very experienced captain. Or that captain changes as they need to go, as, as you grow. So we're at a place now where we have a great senior leadership team. I'm um, actually announcing a new CEO very, very shortly. Hey there, my name is Daniel Franco and this is the Creating Synergy podcast, your business and leadership podcast where we speak to high profile leaders and thinkers about their careers and dig deep by asking the questions we all want the answers to, uncovering their stories, strategies, leadership lessons and their secrets to success. Today on the show, we have Davey Fogarty, founder of the Udi and Calming Blankets and many other brands as well as being the 2022 winner of the 40 Under 40 Entrepreneur Award and social media sensation, amassing hundreds and thousands of followers on YouTube, TikTok, Instagram, you name it. He is a 27-year-old university dropout and after failing many business ventures, he started his e-commerce business, the Udi and Calming Blankets in 2018. And as they say, the rest is history. With the Udi becoming a lockdown essential, Fogarty has since started and acquired new brands to build the Davy Group, which has done now over $400 million in sales. His entrepreneurial mindset revolves around staying humble and helping other e-commerce companies succeed, which has proven to be successful time and time again. In this episode, Davy and I go through not only his entrepreneurial journey, but the ups and downs of extreme scale and how he manages his mental health to stay on top of his game. We then talked about the importance of positive feedback loop, the importance of having a great team around you, and now we explored the reason why they announced the new CEO recently. So without further ado, here is my chat with David Fogarty. So welcome back to the Creating Synergy podcast. I'm sitting here today in the beautiful home of, at, down at uh, Glenelg of David Fogarty, CEO and founder of the Davy Group. Thanks for uh, coming on the show, mate. Hey, thanks for having me. It's a real pleasure. You've obviously uh, done very, very well. Your 
career and your uh, your growth and scale is widely uh, written about and you've got your own social media channels which I empower everyone to jump onto. You're, a, you're very much the educator, so thank you for your, all you're doing in that space. Um, brands like the Udi, Calming Blanket, Pup Nap, I know, uh, I know there's a lot of Udi's in my household and the, the blankets as well. First question I want to ask you, though, is what, what Udi do you wear? <laughs> yeah. I've, I've been through a fair few in my time. I, the avocado and toast, yeah. that's our top seller, and um, I have a certain affinity to that one. Yeah, my daughter's got the avocado yeah. one. And most, most of Adelaide do, I yeah. think. Yeah. My other daughter's got the sloth and yeah. I, and it just suits her personality. Yeah, well, that's the, that's the point of the characters. <laughs> yeah. They've got to you know, reconcile with the person. Absolutely. Is the avocado one your favourite? Is that the ultimate? Uh, look, they're all, they're all cool. I want um, a golden retriever one. So oh, yeah, just nice. For, Sherlock, which hopefully you can't hear him upstairs, but yeah, yeah that, that'll be good. Brilliant. So I said your, your story is widely spoken about, um, but I'd love to really unpack that a little bit more just for the people listening in who may have uh, not heard your story before. How did, where did you, how did this all come about? How did we find ourselves here in this beautiful home in Glenelg and, and you're building this, what is a now global brand? Yeah, it. You know, I've always been somewhat entrepreneurial since I can remember. I wish I could remember the causes of why I became, you know, who I am. I think I was just always trying to achieve, whether it be, you know, in sport or in business. I had a really amazing um, time growing up. You know, my parents were incredibly inspiring. They're a small business owner and, you know, incredibly nurturing family that, encouraged risk-taking and learning and those kind of things, you know. So from from that point, I just kept trying things. You know, I, I pushed myself in the last year of school, the earlier years of school, I was borderline going to get expelled, but that's, <laughs> that's another story. And then, yeah, went into university, flunked out of that twice. And it all during that time, I was growth hacking Instagrams, creating Instagrams and selling advertising on those Instagrams. So that really got me into the digital space, sold out very, very early from those kind of things because I just didn't understand the potential and where the world was going. And then ended up, you know, starting consulting for a lot of of brands, you know, small brands, just learning the skills, learning how to do digital marketing that then pushed me into e-commerce, which... I launched Calming Blankets. It was a weighted blanket. That was our biggest brand. I was like, let's launch wearable blankets. Mm. It wasn't a huge leap from that. Uh, and, yeah, then we started you know, growing the Davy Group, which is now a portfolio company. We've done over $400 million in four years, um, and, and we're, we're quite profitable as well. Doing very well. Oh, can we can we touch on why you were going to get expelled? With yeah. You said that's a story another day, but let's talk about that today. I was what? looking through my report cards the other day <laughs> trying to figure out when the kind of inflection point was. And I think it was, I, I went to, it was it was year nine and I went to the parent-teacher interview. And it was the one where my dad came instead of my mum this time. <laughs> and I just got laid out. Like the teachers, every single one of them just absolutely slaughtered me. So... Um, and uh, uh, what was it? What was it like? You just talking too much? I was around? Just, wasn't I interested? Was just a, 
I don't know if I can swear, a, a little you, shit. You on, can, yeah. I, I was just a little shit. I was, you know, completely disruptive to class. I wouldn't concentrate. I wouldn't apply myself. Um, I don't think I was ever rude, but uh, definitely I'm sure the teachers found me rude because I wasn't paying attention. So that, uh, you know, the year nine, that was like, that, that's it. You know, I had, the, I had the blessing of going to a, an incredible school, which is Mercedes, um, and I was squandering that. Uh, and after the interview, I was driving home with my dad, and he just said, "Look, like if if you don't want this school, that's fine. Like I'll just we'll just move to a public school, and like if this is what you want to do, it is." And it was it wasn't you know aggressive in any way. It was just really eye opening. And then that was that was probably the first step. Did you stay there? I did stay did there. Stay? The next year, I had two teachers, and I think that this is you know some this is quite powerful in that those teachers sat me down and like actually explained that what I had was special, Uh, not special, but I had potential. Sorry. Um, Which everyone does have in their own way, but they explained why I had potential. Like I was, I was relatively intelligent and I was very, very curious all the time. And that's a superpower um, to, and the ability, the wanting to learn is really, really important. So uh, they, started to take some some interest in me and they really did nurture me. They took me kind of uh, off in class sometimes and taught me extra things. My grades started coming up and it's these positive feedback loops that can are so important. You know, negative feedback loops of getting yelled at in class, hating class even more. That's a negative feedback loop. This was a positive feedback loop. They rewarded me. They I got the better grades and I got kind of addicted to that process. And then from there, you know, I wasn't a plus student, but you know, I really applied myself. I did the hardest subjects possible: physics, maths, uh, chemistry, like in year twelve, just to try to prove myself there. Uh, and they were really kind of that that inflection point. So it's uh, it's a, uh, there's plenty of lessons within that. Can you name? Can we name the teachers? Who are... Yeah. So, um, Mr. Mrs. Corrigan and um, Mr. Graham was was really good, and Mr. Wolf was also um, awesome. And then ended up having Miss Lay as well, who uh, she, you know, chemistry was a slug for me, ended up getting an A in the exam, which is like an a testament to her. So, yeah, I, I think I don't know what the school is. Like now I don't have heaps of involvement, but I, I recognise that when I was there I had, had some pretty great people. Isn't it? It's so important. And kudos to those teachers. Hopefully mm. they're listening in and, and watching your journey. Um, the The power of... The, the teachers that nurture our children, right, and nurture the kids growing up is, is oh, it's so fundamental. And sometimes the, the uh, I think the 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 job itself gets lost on on these teachers. So definitely, it's so good to hear that because look, look, you're changing the world now, right? Like, so four teachers or four or five mm. teachers that you've named there have potentially created what is. They have such a. Uh, an access point into these kids' lives. Mm. And I think that the frequency is so important to help nurture. And teachers and parents, they're the main people that have you know, so much access. So, yeah, it's, it's really important. But I've had great influences uh, along my way. Uh, and I've also had bad influences that I've learned what not to do as mm. well. So, um, yeah, it, I think it's, it's, it's really important growing up like that. What, there's a... There is a statistic somewhere floating around. I don't have it and don't quote me on it, but there is a – they say that 
you're more likely to go into your own business if your parents have run their own business, right? Mm. Like it's like 90 percentile or something mm-hmm. like that. Did your parents having their own business running, uh, was it a successful business that they ran? Was it those teachings, those learnings that really drove that curiosity in you at an early age? Yeah, so my grandpa, uh, when he came to Adelaide, he started Classic Timber Furniture, which is on Anzac yeah. Highway. Yeah. And then my dad, uh, it was always a family business, and my dad took over that. It was never like a ginormous multinational or anything mm. like that, but it was, um, you know, it was a successful business. It, it got paid for our life and um you know we're we're all quite well off and happy and and stuff like that so that that is I think that again it's these positive uh positive mentorships or things you see in a positive light that shape what you want to do I, I'm sure there's people that had a very negative experience with their parents with business and would vow never to do it yeah. so there's undoubtedly that I think people don't even understand like it's, a, it's, it's probably a bad thing about our education system is that people don't even understand that business is an option for them, mm. that there's low barriers to entry nowadays to start a business. Any kid can start a business. Correct. So even just understanding, seeing it in the smallest form, um, and this is why it should be taught within school, uh, business and how entrepreneurship and those kind of things as well. So, yes, it, it definitely had a positive impact. Just a quick note, this episode is brought to you by Synergy IQ, leaders in enabling change. Synergy IQ are the ones you call when the change or challenge seems so complex and you don't know where to start. But more importantly, we're the ones you call when you want to make a change that will actually last. If you want to check them out, it's at synergyiq.com.au. You're so right. The, um, I did a, we did a talk at a school recently uh, and the the amount of feedback that we got, that I got from parents and and the like was um, just the idea that a child could get into podcasting. Mm. Like you could see some of the light bulbs go off. Go, this is actually an option. Mm. <laughs> this, is, I thought this is all something I'd listen to on the radio. So mm. um, you're right. If we can introduce entrepreneurship and the idea of starting business, Andrew Nunn, who's the chief entrepreneur of South Australia, he's big on that and he's talking about how do we get that happening more because this is how we create innovation. Mm-hmm. This is how we grow this state. This is how we grow the, the uh, you know, put Australia on the map from from a startup point of view. That's what we, we really want to see. So true. I am, I'm really interested in your, one of your videos, um, you mentioned of your YouTube videos. Now you have a very big following on YouTube, so anyone listening in, get out, and ch- get in, and check that out. Cause, uh, you'll learn an amazing amount of uh, of stuff on e-commerce and all the above. But you said if there was one thing that you could do again, like you could change, I should say, it would be your general mindset. Mm-hmm. Um, or can you elaborate on the general mindset change? What What's so terrible about the experience that you are, and you know this this brand that you've built, which is you know, widely successful, why would you change your mindset? I think, I think when we are our mindset in every single way and I think there's very beautiful things about business and then there's also negative things about business and those negative things are widely known like the fear of failure, the fear that we can disappoint people, the stress, the time commitment. Things can become very toxic if you don't actually enjoy every single part of it as well you're forced to do something you don't like um i think 
I think what I want within my mindset is a detachment of materialistic things mm. because I think, you know, desire is just a contract of you'll be unhappy until that's fulfilled and then once you get it, you will want something else mm. and that's just the, the hedonic treadmill. You're just constantly running. Um, you know, that's a, a Naval quote. I highly recommend anyone listening should look him up. So he's, I, he's ab- my absolute favorite. He's my favorite. Yeah. Like he's amazing. You know, there's all these business, um, business like tycoons, and you know, I aspire to be more around that than a billionaire nowadays. Yeah. There's a, a really cringeworthy clip of me walking up on stage at, at my school saying, you know, in five years' time I'll be a billionaire, and I'm just like, I don't want that anymore. That's yeah. just not my desire whatsoever. Yeah. My desire is to be happy, healthy, and just uh, generally peaceful in in life so I think that's the mindset I'm working I constantly have this battle and around around you know that the ambition that I have and the wanting to prove what I know that I can prove because I can become a billionaire like I generally believe that if I keep working hard and keep learning and keep on this trajectory with a bit of luck as well there's always that bit of luck but at the same time I don't I, I don't think that that would be the right decision for my own happiness and I'm, I'm working at the same time to become more peaceful and, and mindful. Which the, um, I think you're right, if you become or you're on the path to a billionaire, not, not, not uh, putting down anyone who's in that realm because they're obviously changing the world, mm. right? You, have, you can only get that big if you are having an impact. But you're right, there's something that you have to sacrifice in there mm. and it might be happiness, it might be your general health, it might be, you know, if you've got a family, it might be time with, your loved ones, right? Sure. So I think if becoming a billionaire from inventing and creating a lot of utility and happiness and efficiency for other people, employment, like that's a huge reward sure, in yeah. itself. Uh, but, you know, what do you have to sacrifice for yourself to create that happiness in the world and does it really matter? Mm. Do you, like, so Naval has very much the philosophical approach. I know you're quite close with Toby Pierce who... Mm-hmm. He's a big reader and uh, works in that, like, loves that whole mm-hmm. philosophy world. I am a, a big lover of that space as well. Is, it, is that something you've turned to recently? Like, where did that shift come from? Where, you know, because your YouTube channel does talk about, I can make a million dollars, I can do this, I can do that. Um, how to build a multi million dollar business. It is money focused in some parts. Mm-hmm. We'll probably see that change over time now, given what you're saying. But where did that shift come from for you? Was it the simple fact that you've now made it, you've built a business that is successful, that you're able to shift your mindset? Or, you know, if, what if, do you... Yeah, you know? it very well may be because I achieved the milestones or well, some of the milestones that I initially had and I, I have optionality now. Mm. I, don't th- I don't think anyone... And, Again, stealing Naval, you should just listen to his podcast. But, uh, yeah, let's go he, for it. We could geek know, out on me all day. It's very hard to tell someone that doesn't have money that money doesn't buy happiness. Mm. Uh, but once you achieve it, you can actually see, hang on, this didn't achieve the deep desire that I have and I thought it would. Mm. So you look elsewhere. And I think there's also an element of, stoicism and understanding the stoics of the past that help you within business because it is all about being at peace with your decision making and understanding that the obstacle is the way ryan holiday amazing book that yeah so there's kind of it kind of converges into 
you know, what who what mentors you're looking up to, why you're looking at them, and then you've got the you've previously achieved those goals. So mm. I think that that all kind of plays into to effect because it's a common path, like what I'm going through now, where the, people get a lot of money and they're like, "Hang on, what what am I going to do? Yeah, what next? Yeah, what next?" And we we have desires. We are humans. I don't think you should completely disconnect. You know, I don't, I'm not going to commit to this so much that I'm a monk with no materialistic desires. I can't see that. I think that that maybe one day, I don't know, I would never say never, but, yeah, I think you need to recognise what makes you happy, what makes you fulfilled, what still allows the other cups of your life, you know, like family or friends, to also be fulfilled because if the business and the, that one desire is draining all of those things that we know biologically are important to longevity and happiness. Like the Harvard men's study is like the longest study of happiness. Mm. And that was all about your inner connections, your close circles. So by letting business drain those, we, we understand through science that that's not a great, great thing. So yeah, I'm not sure if that made sense. It did. Yeah. And just to, I think like we need to catch up outside of this, talk about Ryan Holiday as well, because I am, uh, Obstacle is the Way is definitely a book that uh, had a major impact on me. That with Ego is the Enemy, um, yeah. his book. Ego I haven't is. read that, but I will. I, I, the Obstacle is the Way, uh, you know, I would have gone through it three times yeah. now. And every time I go through it, you know, they're kind of milestones of my life. thought I was going to lose business twice. They, you know, I look back at them and they were so small, those moments. But they don't feel small in that moment. But the books like that just completely... Having mentors, you know, I don't like to think of mentors as someone that I have a coffee with every week. It's like you can look at people that are even dead as, yeah. as mentors and use their learning. So uh, I, I, I really rely on Ryan Holiday and his uh, teachings. Uh, well, they're not even his teachings all the time. You know, yeah. Marcus Aurelius exactly. and Seneca and stuff Some like of that. my best friends aren't even alive today, mate. Like I yeah. just rely on these people and the writings of these so people to uh, just to help me through. Yeah, 100%. I want to, there's something you mentioned about losing business twice. We're going to dive into that shortly, but I really want to – you talked about happiness. Mm-hmm. I am uh, <laughs> I am in constant search in the, in the pursuit of mm-hmm. happiness, to quote, to quote that. The, if we were to think about happiness as a recipe or a concoction or whatever you want, where there's so many different ingredients that go into it, mm-hmm. All at different levels, right? You know, they might have twenty mil here and a hundred mil of this, mm-hmm. or whatever it might be. What What is your formula right now? What do you think is mm. will, will help you achieve what you're looking for in from the happiness scale? Sure, I don't think I've got it figured out. No. If I was a one to ten of how I figured out my happiness or myself, I'd probably be at a three. And I think I'm further than most people as well, to be honest. So yeah. I think it's such a such a long journey. And I don't think being smart helps. You know, there's you know, there's always famous quotes like, uh, well, I don't think, you know, constantly critically thinking about everything and stressing yourself out, not even just intelligence, it, it helps. But well, the more you know, the more you realize, the less you know. It's just, it's just, it's, it's a vicious kind of cycle of constantly questioning yourself. I do think that it's an element of learning that, you know, we've mentioned these amazing people that have kind of taught us uh, to a degree. And I think it's constantly about 
expanding those readings and trying to contradict things within that and contradict things in your life that uh, within those readings and just constantly tinkering. Um, I, I love my life. I think I'm, I'm, I am happy. I think part, a lot of that is tied to the optionality that I have because of the success of my business. So if that ever got to, taken away, I could see myself being unhappy. And that is exposure in itself. So if you're looking at things and if you're looking at certain parts of your life, certain people, and you say, if this got taken away from me, would I be unhappy? That is a problem because you can't control other people. You can't control what happens in business as much as we try to. There's so many black swan events. So I think it's being at peace uh, with, you know, the smallest amount of materialistic uh, possessions and connections as well. Do you, the the pressure that comes in with running business is is huge, right? And it sounds to me that recently you've put in some time, an extra time and effort to read some of this stoicism, mm-hmm. you know, Marcus Aurelius's of the world, Ryan Holiday's, um, and Naval. Is there was the learning process of your career? Did that start early? Like the or did you just go, I want to make money, so therefore I'm going to do whatever I can. Now that I've made some money, I'm actually going to try to become a little bit more stoic. Yeah. Your reading shifts with what you're trying to achieve. There's yeah. no doubt about that. You start with business books and eventually you realise all business books are basically the same, the same, same thing. thing. Yeah. Like they're, they're just repackaged ways and you, you, you read it and you go, oh, that's so true. It's just like. Yeah, because you already know it. Yeah. It's the books that you read that you're just like, you need to read four times because you don't actually understand it. Yeah. And then only until an external thing happens that do you like connect it. But yeah, it's it's kind of, I started with business books in, and then I think now I'm looking at more like subject matter, like expertise. Like I'm reading a book on AI trying to superpowers at the yeah, moment. Yeah, I saw that. Did you post that? Yes, yeah, 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 I did. Like, it's a, that, that's a good read. Yeah, yeah, really, really cool. I, I think... These are the things where you just you read two chapters and you're like, am I actually interested in this topic? Because yeah. that's the worst thing. I don't need to put myself through pain just so I can get a bigger bookshelf. Agreed. Uh, and I have just always loved the, the, the fact that these uh, Stoics and their teachings can last generations. And I think that that's very – that AI superpowers book will you know, become irrelevant. Yeah. eventually yeah. these teachings are, uh, will always be relevant and um so yeah I, I think that that's what i really like about it but they definitely have shifted but again um i just try to absorb as, as much as possible yeah so to quote naval like i his methodology on reading mm-hmm. completely changed my, my life because i always thought growing up I have to read the book from start to finish and I need to count how many books that I'm reading. And, you know, the, so it was a race to who could read the most books. And mm. then I remember I heard, I heard Naval say one day that he picks up a book, he might read one chapter just mm. to get the knowledge out of that. Yeah. And then he put it down and I'm like, that is mind-blowing yeah. and changed, completely changed my whole um, approach to reading. Also early on in my career I worked with uh, – I had – I had Someone who I would consider a mentor. I've done a little bit of property development and played in that world in, in, in my life. And uh, this, this man said to me one day, he goes, your, 
house, the size of your house, like you look at it, you see those big, beautiful houses, mm -hmm. right? And they've got this big, beautiful library in it. And he said to me, the idea of that library and the big, beautiful house, like you can afford the library because you've got this big, beautiful house, it actually mm -hmm. works the other way around. Mm -hmm. Build the library first yeah. and then the big, beautiful house will come around it. And I, like it just changed my whole pers perspective on reading. So true. Did you in your career and your growth in uh, towards the Davy Group and growing all these brands, did you consistently learn and educate yourself throughout that time? 100%. It's the only way you can succeed in business, especially when you're young. You don't have firsthand on-the-job experience, so you need to find uh, people that have done it before, whether that's YouTube videos you know, we, we've talked about a lot about reading and it might sound like I'm some bookworm. The truth is I struggle to read. I don't read heaps and heaps of books a year. I watch a million YouTube videos yeah. and I read it's a million blog right? posts yeah. and I, like I go on PubMed and read studies there. So it's not just about books, but yeah, I, I, they're, they're the, the resources that I have relied on uh, to get to grow very, very quickly. And that's why I put so much time into my YouTube. You know, these people have unlocked the optionality we keep talking about within my life and a degree of happiness as well. So to give that back, I think is really important. Yeah, hands down. Podcasts are also one. Sorry, podcasts. <laughs> podcasts, actually, to be honest, podcasts, I would almost put that above YouTube, to yeah. be honest, in, in how I've well, absorbed. You, downloading the information from other people's brains, aren't exactly. you? Learning from their experiences. The um, Going back to the topic of happiness, you mentioned earlier that if your business got taken away from you, there might be an element of you being unhappy. You know the formula though now, don't mm. you? Like, isn't, couldn't you just recreate this? 100%. Uh, and that's the, that's the argument you use for yourself when mm. you're feeling connection and mm. attachment to something like that. You know, I would probably do it quicker than I have done it yeah. now, to be completely honest. And that there's a certain empowerment with knowing that you have learnt the skill sets required to create whatever you want within your life. Uh, so let's compare that to something else where, let's say, you just invested in Bitcoin, you know, hats off to you. You just you, Your neighbour said that they invested in it, you put a bunch of money in it, and now you're a multimillionaire. If that gets taken away from you, do you still have the skill set and discipline Correct. or the capital allocation decisions to make that into what you want it to be? So it's... It's, it's no different to winning the lottery, right? Exactly, exactly. Mm. And that most of those people lose their money anyway and become yeah. really, really unhappy, which, uh, yeah, so there, there's, there's so much. We, went to, we talked about positive feedback loops as well. The most important thing you can do is align those learnings that you are currently doing to the end result, not just like what's going to happen next week, not the month after, but, you know, reading this book is going to, give me whatever I want and that mansion, as you said it. So that creates that positive feedback loop. You, early in your career, you started out, um, and we'll talk about formula. Um, you started out hacking Instagram and, mm -hmm. and helping businesses grow through their accounts and, and followings and all the above. I really struggle <laughs> in this space uh, it's something that Gabriella and the team, uh, in my team, always say, Dan, you need to be a little bit more active. People want to hear what you have to say, all of the above. Mm. What 
do you think, what are the benefits from growing these social media accounts and does it help fast track some of the growth that you see within those businesses? It's incredibly powerful. You know, Mr. Beast just opened a restaurant in and so there was like 10,000 people stormed the mall and he filled out a whole mall. People were camping out for 24 hours. That is the power of community and these mm. followings. You know, he did $100 million in his first year without opening a restaurant just say selling like a franchise model, a digital franchise model mm. through Uber Eats. These communities are so, so powerful. There is the transactional element where you could just build a platform to advertise through and that's kind of the influencer model. But I think if you can build a, a community where you really support people, all of the brands, the future direct-to-consumer e-commerce brands, the big ones, uh, will have that sense of following and that community behind them, the, the digital platforms. They will get a, a, an influencer behind it and they will be the biggest. You know, Kim Kardashian just launched a fund as well mm. like yesterday. If you think about the value proposition of someone like me, okay, Udi's just in the early stages and I go to one of these venture funds that they have, you know, a bunch of investments and some good strategic advisors, or I go to Kim Kardashian and she can just post and just literally annihilate the competition and create all of the, capture all of the market share within a week. It's, it's a no-brainer. So mm. community is, is so good and the, the way to do it is through those digital. As a CEO, managing director of a business, what can I do? Mm-hmm. Because I don't, I don't want to be the sure. person that just stands in front of the camera and goes, hey, guys, like, you know, yeah. although I do do that every now and again, it's just more the, because the imposter syndrome kicks in. Why yeah. would anyone want to listen to what I have to say? So, so I think there's a few things to unpack there. First of all, is it worth it for, for a CEO? You know, is we're, we're, we're capital allocators and we're time allocators. As a CEO, it might not be the best use of your mm. time. Like everything, is there someone we can hire to do that, mm. to, to leverage that? And they might. And then there's the other point, which is maybe it's just insecurities coming out, that maybe that is the best of your, use of your time, but you're making excuses. We've talked about happiness. There's no point if you are successful and have optionality to put yourself through an unhappy thing to create money. Mm. You know, that, that's against what we're trying to do in our lives. We're trying to create freedom. Mm. And you are going to tie yourself to that role because once you're there, you are irreplaceable. Mm. So there's like a lot of things to consider. No situation is going to be exactly the same. I don't regret like doing it for myself, obviously. It's um, incredibly rewarding. But I don't recommend every single CEO to try to capture their audience through TikTok and it also might not align with their brand. If you're a serious brand, you're, you're dancing around on TikTok, it's going to discredit you. Yeah. So the way we did it at the Udi, which wasn't, which was quite quick, not many people had done this, but, but it wasn't intentional, is we uh, had a very, very talented person in customer service that had already grown a TikTok following and she just became the face of the Udi. She yeah. handles the entire account. She creates all the content. She's on the platform 27 and we can measure the return on investment via post-purchase surveys. So you understand how much this platform actually brings in. Um, incredibly lucrative for us, but for a smaller business, you, you need to justify it. And there's sometimes also role-sharing abilities because we're talking about creating content here. So, you know, there's 
plenty of places that you need content created that could get a return on investment and you could just share that resource to at least explore something like TikTok and, and that stuff. Yeah. In the corporate world, uh, building Instagram and, um, I mean, LinkedIn in the corporate world is one that's probably mm-hmm. more prevalent. Mm-hmm. Is there a different approach for a LinkedIn or is that something you've explored? Sure. LinkedIn, Twitter is very underrated. Yeah, Twitter I, is I agree with that, yeah. Um, I'm, I'm been meaning to get around it, but I, I don't think it would take, it'd be very hard to grow hack 100,000 Twitter followers quite yeah. quickly and get millions of impressions. Um, Why is that? Why? It's just, it's just a great platform if just to create. The community is strong. The ability to grow is strong. There's not many ads that really disrupt the platform. Mm. Um, one like and it goes to the followers. It's just like LinkedIn as well. Yeah. Um, so LinkedIn, you know, there's people like that have been on Twitter for ages that are now sharing that. Uh, Twitter content onto LinkedIn and it's just going viral because they really do give a lot of impressions quite cheaply. So I think you've identified the two opportunities that I see there as well to to grow those platforms and it's text-based content as well, which is Mm. much, much easier. Um, To a degree, you know, copy, we've really struggled to find a great copywriter that can replicate my tone of voice and understand the subject matters uh, deeply as well. So, Brilliant. So... Your advice would be for everyone to try to grow that. If you're looking to grow and scale your business. It depends on what business. It depends what returns you're going to get. It depends how easily you can track those returns. It can also it also depends on what your long-term objectives is. These, these things are non-linear. If it if it goes crazy, you it'll 100x your business in three years. Mm. So it's just about understanding the return on investment timeline as well. Yeah. So for, for any startup or entrepreneurs, mm-hmm. would your advice be to get onto the social media platforms and just promote the shit out of it, right? Or would it be like... At least test it. At least test At it. At least test You'd it. You'd be silly not to. You'd be silly. You'd be silly not to. There's really no... There's so many social media platforms that I'd be surprised in any business model that you couldn't get one of them to work. If mm. it was even a painting, like even <laughs> yeah. for a service provider for painting commercial houses tiktok's gonna oh, work this, for you there's something so calming about yeah. the, the brushstroke yeah, it is. if you're a service-based consulting business linkedin's and twitter's probably going to work for yeah. you yeah so yeah how do you overcome you know i talked about this off air before where you know the the idea of speaking publicly or people think listening to what we have to say and actually it meaning something mm. to them right how do you do or manage the imposter syndrome that goes with those videos? How do you – like someone – I spoke to our PR person yesterday. She's mm. like, Dan, you know, this, you know, do this, do that, do this, do that. I was like the, literally the response that came out of my mouth was, why would anyone want to listen to me? Like mm. why – there's so many other great – like Naval, there's, you know, these type of characters out there. Why would they listen to me? For? Yeah. Look, I don't know. <laughs> I think, um, yeah, I, I don't, I, I, I question that. I, I don't know whether I undervalue or overvalue how much people listen to me. Yeah. Maybe I'm in the middle somewhere. Um, I think the imposter syndrome is all around growth. If you're not, if you don't have imposter syndrome, chances are you're probably not at, like pushing yourself hard enough mm. or putting yourself in growth situations. So I, I, I have very deep imposter syndrome. I don't know when it will go away, if it will ever go away. But 
it's just something that, you know, I'm, I'm working on. I think I'm just trying to become more happy and complacent with how I see myself rather than how other people see myself. Mm. Uh, I think it's it's it is definitely one of my my uh, negative traits is mm. is how much I do care. Um, so you know, that's just something you work on. How do you push aside the naysayers? Yeah, it's a it's an interesting one. I've, I've I've been asked this question a lot, and maybe it's my mindset around it. But I don't feel like I have at this point in my life could change. I don't feel like I have that many people like trying to trying to put me down. Mm. I, I Maybe I just ignore them. Maybe my team hides the comments. I don't know. Yeah. It's just uh, we, we talk about tall poppy syndrome here. That's an Australian term. But, you know, I haven't really experienced it that much or maybe it's been hidden behind fake smiles. I don't know. Uh, but I, I, I feel very fortunate and, and supported. Because there's a book that I'm reading at the moment. Um, have you heard of Alex Hamotzi? Yeah, yeah, he's yeah. amazing. Yeah, I, I literally love yeah. him. So his $100 million offer book is one that I'm – Mm. sort of diving into at the moment. He's big on TikTok and Instagram and all of the above. Um, and he, there was, there's some points in there that he, he talks about from a growth and hacking scale point of view that um, talks about the, the numbers that you're earning from a, like a revenue perspective mm. can almost seem illegal, right? Yeah. It can almost seem like, do you ever get that? Like, I was thinking about because like, there's people. He, he goes. He made. He had. He, he ran an event and it was to his highest paying mm-hmm. people. They were all paying forty five thousand dollars to be there, and he, he had a thousand people there. Mm. And his dad rings him and he's saying, "I thought you were only getting your highest accounts there. Like you've mm-hmm. got a thousand people there." He goes, "How much do you charge them?" He says, forty five thousand dollars." He's like, "And they're all." Yeah, is that that legal? Like, is that so? There's this perception that of this money and the amount that you're earning that people actually think, are you? Are you? It's it's incredible. Yeah, I, I, you know, I think there's, it's all, it's all relative. People, people talk about like how I'm quite humble around the results of what I've achieved. It's nothing compared to what other people achieve. Yeah. Like, what does Amazon make a day? Yeah. It's just not even close, and that's almost unfathomable. Talk, talk to someone in business 30 years ago, and they just couldn't even comprehend the amount of money Apple and yeah. Amazon make. So I think it's all, all relative. The, the leverage that digital media provides puts us out of our comfort zone because we see a city. We see, like, we drive around a city and we see 10 people at a given time or we're at a concert and we see 50,000 people. It's only when you're flying over a city you realise how untapped <laughs> the, or how commercial everyone actually is and how big the pie actually is mm. for everyone. And that's the beauty of capitalism. So, yeah, I think I, think I, I get that. You know, we did 1.7 million in a day just selling goodies and I'm just like, how is there this many people? And then you fly over the world and you just kind of realise how exciting you know, things, things actually are yeah. and how many opportunities there are. Do you ever just smile? All the time, yeah. Just, like, yeah. It's, it's great. If I'm not smiling, I, like, have to check myself and just be like, this is, this is great. Like you and, like, pinch yourself, right? And, you know, the times that you need to smile is when things are going wrong. Like, because they're not actually <laughs> Is that, that like, wrong. the Joker-type like, smile? Like, no, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The little fake smile, you're just crying inside. No, I, I, I think, yeah, you know, if I lost it all tomorrow, I would, it would take me two days, but I would smile and I would 
we just yeah. get on with it. You know? But the smile of knowing the impact, like what, me coming here today and I'm telling you that my whole family wear hoodies. Like, the, like the, yeah, you're having great. an impact on people's lives. Mm. And the calming blanket for me is my wife works in the world of um, occupational therapy for children and so the, the weighted blanket mm. itself is, just has a really calming effect on children, right? So, like, it is impactful. It is purposeful. There is some really great mm. stuff with that. that you're having impact on people's lives does that hit you yeah the Udi's mission is to create moments of joy and happiness mm. and I think it does that you know we, we all have those sad nights where we're you know not feeling good about ourselves or we're anxious and the Udi does bring comfort mm. and that makes me very happy it's it's a fun like there's videos of people having sleepovers where yeah. Udi's laughing at each other there's people there's friends in in the morning walking Hungry Jacks together wearing the Udi. Yeah. And I think that that's just such a beautiful thing and the whole team takes a lot of pride in that. Um, aside, you know, I, I, I love bringing joy through brands that people can all talk to each other about as well. We talk about little software. We talk about software apps that make billions of dollars and it's kind of like we're not, you know, they're, they're boring businesses. Mm. They're very lucrative businesses because of that. I generally try to avoid that because I like telling people, like talking to people about my businesses and things like that. Um, but I also, you know, I'm not naive to the fact that there are bigger issues in the world than those small moments for people. Mm. There's bigger things that entrepreneurs like myself, look at Elon Musk, like what is he solving for humanity? Yeah, and when there is an element of if you have the ability to change something, powerful like that you feel like somewhat of an obligation to go after a bigger issue and try to solve that mm. uh, and I do have that pull and we're talking about this push-pull thing around taking less on and being peaceful but at the same time wanting to change the world and it's it's a massive conflict mm. um, but you know right now I, I need to do what's right for my business that I've got I've got employees I've got people that you know I've I'm getting older. There's an element that I need to set myself up for security, so I'm, I'm not taking on those big issues. But eventually, I, I, I would hope to. Brilliant. Have you seen the? Um, I saw like a TikTok uh, post the other day. Uh, someone walking down the Torrens River <laughs> in their purple, <laughs> their big purple hoodie, There's and so I had to laugh. And I'm just thinking, how this is this is. It's There's a, so it's many a, of them. It's yeah. Great. You're the new Katmandu jacket, right? Katmandu jacket, yeah, and the Iron Williams. <laughs> um, so let's talk about the growth of of the Davy Group and, and particularly Udi and, and on that. You really boomed over, um, over COVID, but then you mentioned earlier in this conversation that you almost had the business go under. Yeah. Can, can we explore that? Sure. So we experience rapid growth in COVID. There's, there was two arguments to be made during that period when the lockdown stopped was e-commerce penetration has increased and this is somewhat sustainable. Hindsight's 2020. That's not what happened. Mm. It came off. There was huge inflation prints. There was a lot of uh, problems in, in the world. The iOS updates happened, which decimated digital advertising. All of that created a bit of a perfect storm. At the time, I was... I had a very, very large team um, that were working on lots and lots of brands uh, because I was hedging that our process and our business strategy was 100% sound and we could grow it. 
grow it really rapidly and keep uh, keep you know the the change was here. The shift from retail to DDC was was here. Uh, that's quite dramatic, but um, that was kind of the the thinking. That isn't what happened. Um, we needed to restructure the organisation uh, and put more focus on the UDI, which was the main bread maker. We were trying to diversify horizontally when we should have been uh, scaling vertically through yeah. the UDI, which yeah. is a, a, an amazing brand. It was a really strong lesson in capital allocation and pushing pushing for growth uh, past a point that we we shouldn't have been. And um, yet, unfortunately, it, it, was a, it was a very hard lesson. It was a very stressful time. There was lawsuits going on um, as well. So, yeah, it was, it was a tough time. Tough learning experience. Oh, hey, and COVID I, as well. That I was can feel my chest just tensing <laughs> up, like in just understanding and knowing what you would have been going through. Do you, um, how did you manage that personally through that time? How did you get through that? You know, I look, I look back at it. I lost friends out of my organisation. Um, you know, I, I lost a lot of people that really put their faith in me and were working incredibly hard for the company's vision. Uh, that was the hardest part, knowing that I let them down. Um, so, yeah, it was it was tough. But I, the beauty about our company is that they all got jobs within a week mm. because everyone wants to hire from our company, yeah. which is really good. And I take a lot of pride in that, knowing going forward that we need to keep investing in our people and training our people so that that is always the case mm. and they never go out uh, let worse off than if they're going to go somewhere else. That's, you know, kind of my mission at the moment, um, understanding the value of that. So, yeah, but in terms of myself, uh, it was it was very, very hard in terms of, like, business learnings. It was invaluable. Like, I'm better because of it. Um, and three MBAs in one. Really, <laughs> yeah, it's, you know, it's a the, – the, wor- the worst lessons – the, the only thing that's true failure is when you get out of the game mm. and I'm not out of the game. Yeah. So I think that that's the main thing and, you know, you learn from it. So it's, it's just a lesson in not taking on leverage. It's a lesson on understanding that during this growth stage of a business, you don't understand the variables and chances are you're not working on the business, you're in the business. And that's what we were. We were just growing so quickly. It was absolute chaos. It was absolute chaos. I just don't even know how to uh, frame it compared to where we are now. We're a pretty pretty functional business now. So, yeah, I wasn't at a point where I could apply just capital to problems and it would get a direct return on investment. There was no measurement of that. So it was it was a really good lesson about checking yourself and staying humble during those periods. Mm. Um, there were so many, so many counts. Did the chaos come from your lack of clarity and vision for the business as a CEO? Yeah, I, I would say that that would be the main issue. Uh, lack of clarity. Uh, yeah, I would. I so you wear that. Yeah, as yeah. The reason for it all, sort of. Yeah, lack of clarity, but you know, it's kind of it's, it might be semantics, but it's a lack of business strategy, mm. right? Lack of process as well. Uh, that they're the main things. But we were there was macroeconomic shifts, and this is something as when you got your first business, you don't understand. I've never been through a recession. Yeah. Like no. I don't understand what this this is. I've never seen boom and bust cycles as well with with pandemic i couldn't couldn't have known what to suspect but these are the things that you need to plan for as a ceo understanding that you don't know everything and making sure that your business isn't in a fragile state building an anti-fragile business we've had a do you know have you ever met jindo lee 
No. He's the founder and CEO of Happy Co, which okay. is a company that's been grown yeah, out of great, Australia. Great things. Yeah, yeah. So had Jindo on the podcast. When he was on, he said um, when, with the growth and scale of his business, because they're in Silicon Valley now and growing, you know, or no, not in Silicon Valley, but they're in America somewhere doing some amazing things. Um, he said every dollar that I earned was the biggest business I've ever run, every mm-hmm. new person that we had hired was the biggest business ever mm-hmm. I'd ever run. So you, you're, you're actually trying to, and uh, you heard the Vino Mofo um, podcast recently with Paul Edgington, he said, we're trying to upgrade the plane as we're flying, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's this constant so iteration. True. Where did you manage to turn the ship around or stop the leaky bucket in the sense where did you hire someone with a little bit more of a strategic mindset? How, how did you It's go? all your senior leadership yeah, team. Yeah, it is. And I, I didn't know that. And now we have a very, very good senior leadership yeah. team. And my life has completely changed. So I'm starting to get this philosophy that if something is hard in business, you just have the wrong person there yeah. um, as a leader. And that's a really, that might sound like a cruel thing to say. Maybe they're better somewhere else or maybe they're just not well, the, For your business. business at that particular time, right? You know, this is, the, this is the hard thing. You're upgrading the plane as you're flying. You can't afford a good captain initially, like a, a very experienced captain, or that captain changes as they need to go, as, as you grow. So we're at a place now where we have a great senior leadership team. I'm um, actually announcing a new CEO very, very shortly. Um, and it's, it's a very functional business because th- these people are better <laughs> certain elements um, than me as well. So, yeah. yeah. Do you um, – so that's exciting, new CEO. Did, have you – I think that's something that I've always sort of toyed with is that could someone run this business better? Like I run my own business. Could someone run this better than what I do? Mm-hmm. Is that where – is that the sort of the, the area where we do here? Yeah, I think I understand my limitations, uh, my limitations and, and where I need to grow. And I, I've learned a lot about leadership and uh, leadership, training, company culture – I learned by trial by fire with that kind of stuff. Mm. In hindsight, I didn't learn the theory quick enough because I was in a chaotic business. I was doing the marketing. I was still the CMO. Mm. I was, uh, you know, running ads and stuff like that to a, like very, very late in the game. So it needed me to step out, learn the theory, apply it, get a better mentor in that area. And I, I didn't do that. Um, but, you know, I, I am getting better at that right now. Where the business is at, I think um, there are better leaders than me to, to lead this business and the skill sets and the, the, the shift that needs to happen to make Woody, you know, a half a billion dollar brand. So I'm, I'm, I'm humble enough to admit that. I don't think that that will always be the case. I would hope that I grow to the point where I can, you know, lead, lead a billion dollar brand. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, it's part of it, I guess. Um, but, you know, that, being a CEO is not really something I want to do either. Like, mm. I... I, I want to work in lots of fun things and hire fun people or great people and work in really cool spaces and to work within a business and be a CEO, it's not a part-time job. I was spending one or two days a week on it uh, for a business that size. That's not, that's not, that's not fair to everyone. They they need that one person committed. So really wanting to work on lots of different businesses, I mean, I need to be one removed from the senior leadership. Are you the sole founder and the only shareholder? This so, point, at this point. At this point. So looking forward to grow that and expand that. Yeah. Is that part of the, the, the global domination, I guess, of the of the um, of the expand? Because what what is that 60-40 split now, isn't it? The 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 
60% still coming from Australia, but 40% overseas. Yeah, yeah, roundabouts. Yeah. yeah. What's the play? I think I've read uh, in, in some of that, um, mm. in some of these articles that you are really going to push the American market. Is that? Yeah. Yeah, the American market. Uh, I, I, I like the European market as well, and the, the UK market. It's good. Go, go, go where the snow is, like, right? <laughs> we, do a, we do a fair bit of trade in New Zealand as well. Yeah, okay, great. And the idea of announcing the new CEO is to really expand that part and yeah. make sure. Yeah, I think, um, I think yeah, it's, it's going to be it's going to be great under their leadership. There's a Marianne Williamson quote that I love. I don't know if you've ever watched Coach Carter. Surely you would have watched seen the movie yeah. Coach Carter, yeah. where he, where the, one of the, it's a famous scene in a movie, but it's a Marianne Williamson quote where she says, "Our it's our light, not our darkness, that most frightens us." Mm-hmm. How does that play out for you when growing? You talk about billion-dollar brands, and I think if we talk in Europe, we're talking America, Australia, New Zealand, all the above, and growing. There is really sort of no bounds to the the level in which you can grow. Does that frighten you? Mm-hmm. Look, it it didn't initially. I was like, let's let's conquer the world, but we talked ch- ch- chatted on it before. It's loss aversion. Mm. It's it's we and and it's a really big problem that when people make more money, they get more fear of losing the money and they they stop investing the capital. So I think that that would be the downfall if I kind of did get too afraid of that and started applying. So I'm checking myself. You know, am I in a time of uncertainty around the macroeconomic conditions right now? It's it's stupid to just be deploying it as we were before. Mm. But I'm not sure if that answers your question. No, it does. So what is then the ultimate play mm-hmm. with the Davy Group? Yeah, so I think where I currently sit, I think we could, if we can add some more portfolio companies to the group that, you know, get us more around the, the half a billion dollar top line mark, highly profitable, and we can incorporate, we can prove that we have, a way of growing these brands very, very confidently and um, very, very sustainably as well. I think then you could IPO or you could do a private sale. I think my future would be around owning portfolios of companies as well and mm. buying, you know, whether it's a small stake. Or, yeah. yeah. So I, I think that that's, that's what really excites me. I have a lot to learn in that area. I'm, mm. not, I, I'm not even, you know, I've done one acquisition and, uh, while it's an amazing company, I could have uh, executed far better on that. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that that's the future for me. The future for the brands are very wide. Like they can go, they can go lots of different ways. Mm. I think that's the, the beauty of Duty. There's really no, like that brand, the way it performs in every single metric, the team behind it, there's really no limit to what the Audi mm. can achieve. It can be a household brand globally. Mm. Um, we just need the right product strategy. We need to keep executing that. And over time, you know, there there's can be some really big things for that brand. Mm. What keeps you waking up every morning and getting back into this and going through the, the grind every single day? I think it's, you know, just recently I couldn't, I couldn't get up. Mm. I was just, you know, you go through these kind of, they're not depression cycles because you know i don't want to trivialize that word of of depression um but you know you just feel depressed you you don't want to get up 
And it's crippling. It's crippling. It really, really is. And that's when you look at your calendar and you go, what am I doing that I actually I don't want to do anymore? Mm. And then you need to hire. You need to remove yourself from that. You need to stop doing that. Um, and you can just generally I just go in these stints. I just burn myself out. Like yeah. it'll be generally two-month stints. I'll just go four to six o'clock, just absolutely go crazy, not relax over the weekends, work all the weekends and just push myself to the breaking point. And then I'll just be like, okay, no, no. And then I generally need to like have like half a week off and slow down a bit. And that's, I don't think that's a healthy cycle, by the way, but that's just how I, no. I do these big sprints and stuff like that. Now I'm trying to just remove myself from the day-to-day, which I think is far more sustainable, getting headspace. And, and, you know, I just write some big memos and some ideas. I'm trying to get document my ideas a little bit better, uh, how to create growth for these companies that I own. Um, mm. And put the strategy in the right right direction for the, for the CEOs. Is there a bit of anxiety with hiring in a new leader, and and maybe, yeah. maybe losing some there's, of the control? There's anxiety with every hire. Yeah, yeah, you know, it's such a such a crazy thing to to give someone so much faith, and you just don't know uh, mm. the, you know, um, it is it's such a it's such a crazy thing, especially when you're somewhat removed from the business. Um, Udi, I'm obviously quite understanding of where it's at but there's uh the the businesses where you don't have full visibility on it it's very hard to check your ceo because people are charismatic people can very much believe in what they're saying and you need to go through a whole process to unravel it and and apply your judgment so it's 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 very it creates a lot of anxiety that's for sure it's a lot of trust as well you're trusting them with a lot is that the main thing that'll keep you up at night or what if not what is I, I don't really have any I think I think controlling myself and my path is the thing that keeps me up at night, knowing that my actions are solely responsible for where everything will go. Um, you know it, pressure, it's the pressure it's, a, it's, the, it's, it's not the pressure it's just about like understanding my shortcomings and that I have the ability to derail things or create things. So I just need to check myself and just constantly be like, is, is what I'm doing constructive for these businesses? Is what it's doing constructive for my health? And those kind of things. But truthfully, not, not much keeps me up at night unless there's absolute chaos. Yeah. It's something, your black swan event. But, you know? but guarantee you've woken up in cold sweat some nights. Like, not for a while. Okay, not, good. Like, so generally, generally are... only legal orientated so when, when, when there's uncertainty yeah. around control. Yeah. Because you're relinquishing control and you have a very lack of understanding. I think that's the um, the, the the part that I was trying to get to was the it's it is this the lack of control that just how do we how do we manage that? How do we manage the lack of control and, and put our trust into other people? Yeah. It's just about proper process. Proper process and uh, uh, proper communication, having the right checks and balances, reporting. Uh, having your clear vision, if you can't picture something and how it's going to play out, chances are there's a flaw in it. Mm. So really being able to visualise what's going to happen and how it's going to happen, making sure that your leaders also understand and can see that clear vision, yep. repetition, reporting, and, yeah, that's that's the key. If you stepped away for two months and came back in, I would be in cold sweats. I'd, okay. I'd be like, I have no control whatsoever. I have no visibility. That would just be chaos. So you, you try to keep your finger on the pulse a bit. Yeah. Are you getting better at the management 
and the trust that you put into people. Yeah, I'm getting better at most yeah. things. To be honest. So that the chaos of the early days. Yeah, you've learned from those experiences. Yeah, it's very it's very hard to learn how to manage without working with a really great manager. Yeah. I didn't even know how to set a meeting or an agenda <laughs> two years ago. I had no idea what I was doing. Like it was it was literally chaos. I hired my executive assistant without a without an interview. Yeah, like wow. I just called her and was like, "Can you start Monday?" I was drowning. So that is the worst thing you can do. It turns out she's absolutely incredible, but yeah. uh, she's quite lucky. Is that Katie? Um, yeah, yeah, Katie, she's yeah, she's been she's great. incredible. So, um, yeah, it, I, I've come a long way in that management and it's thanks to working with my COO. She's uh, awesome and working with other great leaders as well, like Toby. Toby mentors me yeah. as well. So it's, it's been those kind of people that have uh, rubbed off on me really, really in a good way. What was one lesson through that chaos period that will hold the Davy Group and the Udi business in good stead from now into the future? Yeah, I think really just understanding what your business is. What is your strategy? Is it sustainable? Is it anti-fragile? Those kind of things. Um, to live. <laughs> one, one iOS change and we're, we're, our business halves. Like yeah. That is not stable. Granted, I don't even think Facebook understood their platform reliance <laughs> for Apple, so it would be hard for me to predict that. But mm. it's just a lesson in um, yeah, diversification and stability. Yeah, I really liked your point earlier about instead of trying to spread too thin mm-hmm. in horizontally, think vertically. Mm-hmm. It's definitely mm-hmm. goes to the point of really niching out, right, on your product. The more you try to do, the more chance that there is. Yeah, well, it's capital allocation. Where is the best use of my finance capital? And I was being told by all these private equity firms and VCs that you need to be more diversified. I took that as more brands. But truth is it was better off being spent um, diversifying and uh, supporting Nudity, which we now do uh, to its full degree. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting lesson. You're a big lover of innovation as well, um, which is quite publicised a fair bit. You've got a future day, is that correct? Is that what you talk about? I've read something that you've – there's a one day a week or that you could have a future day or you spend towards – working towards projects in yeah. the future. Is that something? I, I actually, I'm not sure where you got that from. I kind of do something like that. I definitely block out you know, four hours where I just kind of walk around and, and just think about it. Yeah. Um, you know, AI, like that's revolutionary, what's happening there with the image generation. Um, and then also, yeah, like the future of communities. And So is that your platforms. role now that you see moving forward, that you're constantly, you're the, you're, I think you're the, the yeah. creator of, of ideas or is that something that you're going to ask your team to create ideas? How are you going to manage that? that? There, there needs to be team input. You yeah. know, I, if that's what you wanted a lesson before, it's like you need to bring in the team to make these decisions mm-hmm. and because they will have ideas. Um, you can make the final say so, but you know, decision-making processes need as many alternatives as possible to be more, as accurate as possible. So, yeah, uh, I, I see my vision as a, as a capital allocator, hopefully, and uh, an idea generator. I'm relatively creative, so I think that there's always going to be that point. But it's about, I think it's about building these acquisition channels aside from Facebook and Instagram that can support these businesses once you have them the value of a business to you is disproportionate to the value of the current owner. Yeah. And I think that that's a really exciting premise. You know, you've got extra distribution, which 
is not a new model. I didn't create that, but with the power of YouTube and TikTok, I think it's more powerful than ever. Brilliant. I'm conscious of your time. Just a couple of questions before we, we wrap up. In one of your videos, you talked about how you broke, you almost broke a million dollar business um, yep. or a multi-million dollar business. And, and some of the lessons that came out of it were don't scale too fast, um, measure profits uh, from the business independently, get your team structure right, stay humble, don't wait too long to when, see when something isn't working. Um, and achieve a true moat and business strategy. That's the part I want to pick on that. What Achieve a true moat and business strategy. Can you talk to us about that? I think there's very few things in the world that are actual moat. Mm. I, didn't, I would challenge, I would be, I'd probably be able to challenge any person that says a business has a true moat. Mm. Like patents, just forget about it. Like yeah. it doesn't, it, it's somewhat of a moat. So mm. I think it's not binary. I think brand is a big moat. Um, I think product design is a big moat as well. So when we look at the differences between Carmen Blankets and the Udi, um, Carmen Blankets is the business we were referring to. It was incredibly successful business, you know, doing over $3 million profit a year. And uh, I, during COVID period, when it was incredibly uh, easy to make money in e-commerce, we managed to turn it into an unprofitable business due to supply problems and a lot of other things that, you kind of just mentioned. Um, but then we've got the Udi, which it's, you cannot get an Udi from another brand. You could get a weighted blanket that is a similar emotional connection or value proposition from another brand, um, whether it be a cheaper, lesser quality one from a department store or a high quality one that is the exact same price as ours. So that it's really, product is a really, really important part mm. of it. And the Udi, you can't get the, those characters, you can't get out. Like our quality for the Udi is the best quality out there as well. Um, So I think, and then also our customer service, you're not going to get the same customer service. We have the most five-star reviews out of any brand. So all of these kind of things play into the brand as a whole, Um, whereas Calming Blankets, we didn't succeed from that and we were diversifying through products with very, very similar value proposition that were just cannibalizing each other and increasing Mm. our SKU count. And that was a very, very poor business strategy in hindsight. Um, whereas Udi, we're, you know, we're collaborating with new people, we're diversifying our product range to include more commoditized categories like sleepwear and stuff like that. We're also, um, yeah, like the, the licensing partnerships that we have, the joy that that can bring to people mm. is very, very hard to um, replicate as well. And we're also getting... Our acquisition strategy for Udi is, you know, pretty world class as well. So we have a lot of assets there. Brilliant. I'm, I'm so interested, like, off the topic of business strategy and moats, <laughs> how did you manage the, the growth? And, and from the you mentioned supply was a mm. problem. How did you – did you foresee that you would need this huge warehouse? How, how, did, how did all that sort of come into play? It was probably one of my greatest shortcomings is not realising – you know, nobody would have guessed that you were good at this being. Yeah. I wouldn't have either. But I definitely didn't use use uh, scenarios that were happening next to me around these DTC brands that were growing to these kind of levels as a reference point. Okay, this might be a ceiling here rather than here. Mm. And that short-sightedness has cost us 
probably hundreds of millions. Yeah, well. Like in forecasting, in like poor business decisions, it's in, in revenue, probably over $100 million. We lost $40 million alone in October, November last year when we had no stock in the, the Northern Hemisphere yeah, for our winter because I didn't know how to forecast. I didn't have my senior executive that I now have who has hired proper forecasters and built the processes <laughs> for it. So yeah. to answer your question, how did I manage it? Very poorly. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, we're, we're good now. That's the joys of growing and scaling. I, I don't beat myself up about it. No. So. Well, I try not to. Well, yeah, I mean, because <laughs> you're still uber successful, right? So kudos. Your YouTube channels are changing lives. We've got Anusha here who's been following you as a videographer who's been following you for a while. He said that he's mm-hmm. even implemented some of the stuff that you've done. Like, are those, Do you get many of those stories like you from your YouTube? Mm-hmm. Not just Udi and all the above, but have you heard like you sort of how to build a million-dollar business from scratch and you take people through it? Mm-hmm. Have you gotten comments going, I've done it? Well, we, we've only, we only started... About eight, nine months ago. Yeah. So, and these things take time. Yeah. There has been small, you know, I'm talking about a very successful business that's grown out of the teachings. Yeah. But we have had, you know, small stories uh, where, you know, they, they've said that I have helped them and that's, it's, it's amazing. It's, mm. it's really, really good. Um, so, yeah, we definitely heard them. We built like a mentorship group as well. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, quite outwardly say, the standard courses that are sold nowadays are just packeted information that, you know, I'm going to give you on YouTube instead. Yeah. And they're just predatory on smaller people that can't afford that. Um, so I I have just created like a mentorship group for it's like $9 a month mm. where people can come into the community and I'll just answer as many questions and just go live as possible. You know, typical mm. mentors, are, I pay my mentor um, like $2,000 a month, $5,000 yeah. a month even. So Correct. it's, uh, yeah, I'm trying to, try to and, and out of that, sorry, my point was that there's a lot of stories coming now from that community yeah. where they're now sending screenshots and I'm like, oh, wow, this is actually yeah. really. Share those stories. Be, so. I, I know you will, but they should, like, should eventually, it's yeah. It's the feel-good stuff that you are having an impact and more just from the, the brand Udi and Calming Blankets and the like. What are areas that that you think that Udi will expand to, or it's not Udi, the Davy Group will expand to mm. in the future? Yeah, I'm a big believer in software as a service, enabling the e-commerce industry. You know, I just built a piece of software that has my product process in it where it scrapes lots of data points around uh, and connects to a lot of APIs to really understand trends as a whole. Um, and understand trend timing as well when a good product is to launch. So it's kind of those uh, things that enable our processes that I'm a big believer in. I'm a big believer in AI as well, mm-hmm. as I've mentioned, and how that can ch- kind of change the change of the landscape. So, um, yeah, I, I think I'll expand into industries that I really like. I can see a clear future for them. I can see them growing. I can see a path to retail and wholesale to ensure that we are omnichannel, learning my lesson from something like Calming Blankets, mm. not just being DTC, which, you know, Udi, we're working on the wholesale component mm. now, which shouldn't be too difficult considering our brand equity. So, yeah, I think, uh, you know, taking taking playbooks from the paths has been made by you know, Warren Buffett, all of these other cap- capital allocators. It's about us walking in and understanding where our strengths are without getting spread too thin. Very good. So the world's your oyster, isn't it, really? 
Now, I am conscious of your time. You, you are looking to – we have to wrap up now. At the end of the podcast, um, we typically ask for some quick fire, mm-hmm. fun questions. Feel free to elaborate. Feel free to give me one word Hit answers, me. answer them however you, are, however you like. But we are big readers. We've talked a lot of books. There's probably a show notes going to have a list full of books in there. But what is something that you are reading right now? Uh, the Chinese AI superpowers is, yeah. is what I'm reading right now. I'm also reading Zero to One again. Yeah. Uh, I like yeah. Zero to One. Peter Peter Thiel. Yeah, ripping book. If there's one book that you could recommend to those who are looking to grow and scale their business, mm-hmm. what would that be? Good to Great by Jim Collins. Brilliant, isn't Brilliant. it? What about a book? on self-exploring self. The Way to Love, Anthony DeMello. The Way of Love. The Way to Love, I believe it's called. It's Anthony DeMello. Yeah, I like Anthony. Brilliant. Is there any... Or or the Naval, the the, Almanac of Naval, whatever it's called. The Almanac of Naval. It's not written by Naval. Tim Ferriss wrote it. Yeah, Tim Ferriss and some other... um, Yeah. A journalist, I think, pulled pulled that together of all of his yeah. teachings. I don't think you need to read that if you're gonna just listen to every single podcast he's ever done. Oh, he's, so yeah. <laughs> yeah, which is what I do, but uh, it's worth a, worth a skip. And some of his podcasts are two minutes long. Some yeah, are, yeah. they're great. Is there any other podcast that you listen to? Obviously, other than this one, right? Other, so. <laughs> yeah, hundred um, percent. Podcast. You need a one good hack is getting your favourite author and just writing their name and searching it in Spotify yeah. and you'll get the, some of the best podcasts ever. Yeah. Then you can search subject matters. Um, I, I actually really like My First Million. It's a great podcast. Yeah. It's yeah. great fun. All in podcasts, I like the way the billionaires think and yeah. I think you get a real raw look into that. Um, and then there's a bunch of e-commerce ones as well that, that are worth a listen if you're interested in that space. What, which ones are they? E-commerce Fuel is a good one. Okay. It can be a bit dry if you're not into e-commerce. Fuel. Yeah, but- those who are specifically into that, great. What's one lesson that's taking you the longest to learn? Ooh, that's a good one. <laughs> I think that the, the thing around people took me a long time to learn, you know, about delegation and just understanding that you don't need to do it all and there's probably someone better yeah. that can do it. Yeah, I, I listen to founders and very successful people and they say that, you know, I can do anything if I wanted to, to the best, like that, 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 I think that, 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 that underappreciates the fact that you're not going to apply yourself as hard as these other people in that area because yeah. it, like, it bores you or something like that. So I kind of don't, I, I've just grown to appreciate people in roles that do an amazing job yeah. and, and that just changes your happiness. It changes your business success rate and all of that kind of stuff. I can't do it all. It's can't do it all. Yeah. If you could invite three people for dinner, who would they be? I get this question um, a fair bit. Um, usually I, I say, you know, billionaires and do boring answers. Uh-huh. I like um, Sam and Sean from My First Million Podcast. Yeah. They are so good at just ideas, just yeah. nonstop. So, and then I'll go Alex Hermosi as well. He's yeah. an absolute beast. So those, those guys would be... Uh, a very, very entertaining dinner. I love Alex's non-bullshit, I, I actually don't care approach. <laughs> He's a great communicator. Yeah. You know, I, I liken him to uh, Tony Robbins yeah. in that they can communicate, and even Naval in the complex things communicated very simply. 
um, and tailored for people and the right person. Mm. So that's something that, you know, I struggle with is communication and clarity of thought. So I, I generally admire people that can do it well. Mm. What's some of the best advice you've ever received? Um, it's, it's, it's just it's great advice. You know, don't be afraid to slow down your decision-making. Mm. I've listened to plenty of amazing CEOs that say, like, and I subscribe to this mentality of action creates information and make a decision, but not until you have got the amount of information that you need. Or, or if, if, if it's not time urgent, don't make the decision quickly because more mm. information presents itself. So I think that that's been pretty powerful to my growth as well. Yeah. The struggle is understanding the urgency. Sure. Yeah. yeah. And that, that's, a, that's a touch and feel thing where you start mm. to learn it and listening consequences is always a big part. Yeah, absolutely. Love it. If you had access to a time machine, where would you go? Yeah, I, I wouldn't go anywhere. I think I think we just got such an exciting, like, you know, there's there's challenging world events right now, and I'm not trivialising any of those because we're we're here down in Australia where we have such a privileged life. Um, but you know, I think it's one of the best times to be an entrepreneur in Australia. Uh, yeah. I would love to see the future. I'd love to yeah. see what it holds. But, yeah, I, I love where we're at now. Yeah. Brilliant. I, I've always said I'd go forward and just yeah. get the almanac, right? Yeah. <laughs> the, the back to the future. Sure. Bring back, put some bets on, then, <laughs> then we're set. Um, if, you, uh, if your house was on fire and your family and your pets and everyone's safe, mm-hmm. what's one thing that you would come back in here and grab? My laptop. Your laptop. <laughs> Straight away. <laughs> it's the thing that can make you the yeah, most money. Because yeah. we'll <laughs> your phone will already be on you. <laughs> give, me, give me a laptop and I'll, I'll be fine. Just chuck me anywhere. Brilliant. Uh, if you had one superhero power, what would it be? Mm. I, how am I getting stumped on this question? It's the easiest <laughs> I know. Surely you're a Marvel fan or something like that. Yeah, I'm a big, big Marvel fan. My partner, she's obsessed yeah. with Marvel. I just want to be Iron Man. Can I be Iron yeah, Man? She doesn't have be, any powers. Yeah. But I'm just, well, he's the, I just intelligence is the best. Power, right? Yeah, he's, true. true. Super intelligent. Yeah. yeah, done. I love it. And I'm also a lover of, I didn't prep you with this one, but I'm a lover of shit dad jokes. Do you have a bad joke for us that you can share? <laughs> I actually, I'm like the worst at telling stories oh, no. and the worst at telling. Do you have a dad joke? Oh, Oh, no, now you put me on the spot. Not one that I haven't uh, probably said on this before, on the podcast before. Oh, no, now you put me on the spot. Right. You have to get one. I do have one. How do you get an elephant into a refrigerator? How? Yeah, open the door, put the elephant in, close the door. That is a bad joke. How do you get a giraffe into the refrigerator? The exact same way? (laughs) No, you take the elephant out, then you put the giraffe. Okay, you get it. it Uh, Brilliant. Anyway, look, thank you so much uh, for your time today. We'll wrap it up there. It's been an amazing chat, learning a little bit more about what's going on inside your head today than, than, you know, I think we can jump on your YouTube and learn about how to grow and scale and all the success you've had there, but... Uh, it's been really enjoyable learning. You know, there's, there is a human behind these brands who is actually learning and, and, and trying to grow himself and the business as, as it grows and scales. So, you know, kudos for everything you, you've done and kudos for everything you're going to do. Um, 
very, very excited about where you're going and, and, and the, where the business is going as well. No, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for, yeah, thank you for me worthy. It's great. Beautiful. Thank you, everyone. Uh, that's Thanks, it for guys. now. We'll, um, we'll catch you next time. Thanks for listening to the podcast all. You can check out the show notes if there was anything of interest to you and find out more about us at synergyiq.com.au. I am going to ask though, if you did like the podcast, it would absolutely mean the world to me if you could subscribe, rate and review. And if you didn't like it, that's all right too. There's no need to do anything. Take care guys. All the best. All the best.